I'm your host, Rabbi Linda Schreiner Khan, and welcome to Tehillah Talks, where teens engage in honest conversation with their rabbi about what it means to be Jewish in the world today. Welcome to Tehillah Talks and part two of our conversation coming out of the COVID cocoon with our amazing teens. The metaphor I used originally was uh, coming out of a cocoon. And what comes out of a cocoon is a butterfly or a moth, actually. And my question is, what are we going to see when we come out of this all the way? You're not a prognosticator, but what would you like to see? Maybe is the better way to phrase it. What would you like to see as we move to this next stage? What would you like to see that we have learned as a world after all of this? That's a big question, I know. But I will put it one thing to you that, I, that, that I'm looking forward to is as we're doing this recording on, on Zoom, we're all in our visual boxes. And I feel like this year we've gotten more siloed and less able to reach beyond our usuals. And I, I want to get back to a place where serendipity is possible, where I can just run into people and have conversations that I never expected to have, which in this world has almost been impossible to do because everything is planned. And so the only people you meet up with are the people you plan to meet up with or are part of the same kind of circle. And I'm, I'm looking forward to some serendipity and because I think great things can happen by accident. What, what do you all think? Bernie, any thoughts on that? I mean, I, I definitely agree. Like this kind of spontaneity has definitely kind of been lost. And I, I miss that. As to your like original question about what do we want to see? I feel like there is a lot of messaging during this about like having this being like a, a group effort, kind of getting through this being a group effort having to work together and, and all, you know, obey the rules, even though obviously a lot of people didn't listen, but there was a lot of, you know, ads and interviews, every, everyone saying, you know, we'll get through this together. So I guess I, I hope some of that will stick. Maybe coming out of this, we can be a bit more united. Maybe some more people will have more trust in what science has to say and be less skeptical about that. And maybe we'll just have a, a sense of, what's important and what's maybe not so important after this, you know, big event. So I guess that's what I hope for at least. Butterfly or moth? What do you think? <laughs> I mean, is the metaphor that like butterflies are, are good and, and moths are... Well, but moths are sort of blah. You know, I'm not saying moths are bad. They have their, their purpose, but they're sort of blah. Butterflies are quite beautiful. And... What about like luna moths, the, the cool green ones? Okay, <laughs> that, that, that's what I get for using this metaphor. <laughs> you got to be careful around the rabbi. Oh, I know, I know. <laughs> I walked right into that one. Okay. <laughs> I'd, I'd say it's, I mean, the, the hope is that we can learn from it and, and take good things from it. Honestly, I'm not sure if, um, if it's going to make all that much of a difference, like 10 years down the line. I think, you know, like online conferencing and stuff like that will stick, but... I don't know about 
what I, all that stuff I was I was saying before. I just, I hope that can stick. I don't know if it will. What do you see, Natasha, going forward? What's your your hope or your fear? I think I'm afraid, and I think I'm sure that nothing will change about our pharmaceutical companies and the way that we patent medication and vaccines. It seems like that's what's going to happen, what's already happened. And but yeah, I think that the death toll has only gotten higher with COVID in the cost that the privatization and the the ownership to companies and not to the people for for scientific knowledge and biological knowledge. I think that's I don't think anything's changed, but I think that the death toll has gotten so you don't think finding this vaccine so quickly came about because all these different scientists were working on different pieces coming together. I mean, from the science part of it, right? Yes, the production end is a different story, but the science, the people doing the work ultimately came together, right? I think you're misunderstanding my point. My point is the fact that the patents on the vaccines are preventing people from um, producing them in other countries, not even that we need to give people vaccines, but only to give them the knowledge that would allow them to produce the knowledge. Like, I think the thing about science that I find so frustrating is that like, you're exactly right. Like it's an inherently collaborative process. Like no one person can do science except for like really, 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 really smart people. And even then like they're building on achievements of other people, but for the most part, like things are discovered sort of through a process of many, many people coming together and sharing a small bit of knowledge. And it makes me like incredibly angry that that has been co-opted at the other end of that for that use of that knowledge and what gets passed to the people. And the fact that people die every single day in this country because we will not produce insulin at price and we will not like produce vaccines in countries that didn't have like, didn't buy them from the companies. You know, and we robbed those countries in the last couple centuries. Like we have created the poverty of of certain nations that are now going to be totally screwed by the fact that they can't buy these vaccines and that we've created an inherent shortage. So that's that's the negative. Do you see any positive coming out of this? Yeah, Lena, give me some give me some positivity. I see you. (laughs) (laughs) I need it. (laughs) Come on. Well, I mean. This is only sort of like half of the side. I mean, for the people who believe the science behind these vaccines and who are following the news, I think that maybe a positive now is that people are more, those people are more intellectually and emotionally invested in the science and in learning about what's happening with COVID. What is COVID? What vaccines, viruses, safety, public health. And so I think. I mean, at least from the things I'm just seeing around me, my friends, my parents are more invested in the science and just science in general. But also, Rabbi, what you were saying earlier about sort of like the isolation that we're we're sort of all in and how you're not organically meeting new people in certain situations that just arise randomly. I think that I mean, I just think people are scared now to reach out, to to step outside and talk to different people. I think, I mean, if it's safe, we need to like burst all the bubbles that we have created around ourselves and we're not letting anyone into them. And I mean, just even one of my friends, I mean, she doesn't even come clo- that close to us, even though 
you know, we're all vaccinated and she, she's still saying, oh, but COVID's still a thing. And I mean, we were, we were living with her for a week and she, she would still stay away. I think people are, are safe, but still are fearing and, and the fear sort of just overtakes everyone in rational and irrational ways. Bernie? Positive um, things I, I kind of already spoke to this question, so I don't know if All Alexis right. has anything yeah. to add or anything. Um, I mean, I guess, like, it's kind of not like what everybody else has been saying, but, like, the power of humor, I think, is something that I hope people will take from this. Because something that got me through this year a lot was, you know, laughing about something with my mom, something dumb we found on the internet, because it just made everything just the tiniest bit better because you know everything was horrible and everything was going wrong but then you know you'd see something dumb uh, like a meme online and it you know it's like not even smart or anything but it's just it's funny for no reason and you laugh at it and everything's okay for you know that period of time like I really like to read books and there was just this period of time where I could not because you know, I couldn't find anything really funny. And so I turned to a book I had read probably like twice already. And I just kept reading it over and over again because it was like the funniest book on my shelf. And I just needed that at that moment. And it made everything better for just that one day that I was reading it. So I hope people will like see the value in humor and comedians and people who tell jokes. So I want to bring something up. So at the beginning of COVID, we did a broadcast like this. And um, I think Julian said, you know, what's Judaism going to look like uh, at the end of COVID? What will we have? What will we need? And I think this is why I think we're just coming out of the cocoon. Like when you're in the middle of it, you can kind of, or through it, we were able to envision all kinds of things. Now that we're slowly stepping forward, it's like, what? I don't know what to expect. And Again, I go back to, to text for a moment. At the end of the five books, at the end of the Torah, we have two books in Prophets. We have the book of Joshua and the book of Judges. And uh, as my teacher, Dr. Diane Sharon, always taught me, was that it's like playing a video game. And I'll play video games, but this much I do know that in video games, you have choices. And if you open one door, that can lead to one series of events. And if you open another door, it'll lead to another series of events. And in the book of Joshua, everything kind of goes smoothly. We may not agree or be comfortable with the story. I'm not talking about that for this moment. I'm just saying it kind of goes smoothly. They come into the land and it becomes theirs. The book of Judges, on the other hand, is an unholy mess. No joking. There are some good moments, but by the end of it, the world is in disarray. And it has everything to do with people saying, yeah, 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 I'm going to be good. I'm going to be good. I'm going to be good. I promise. I promise. And then they mess up. And it is this downward spiral. And I guess what I'm looking for is the hope quotient that that isn't going to happen, that what have we learned that will keep us from spiraling downward? And Natasha's already worried about the pharmaceutical companies and I'm worried about other things. And, and like worry is, it's not good to just be worried. I like Alexis's response of humor because if you can't laugh at something, 
where are you? I mean, finding the humor, I also will tell you this. I know I'm talking too much, but okay. I um, was at a difficult point in my life. I went to talk to a rabbi and his advice at the time, I was in my early 20s. His advice was as follows. You have to find the humor in the situation. That's what the rabbi said. You have to find the humor in the situation. And I hold on to that. It's like this little life raft, you know, when things are really rotten. What's funny about this? What can make me laugh about this? Yeah, Elena. Well, yeah, something that I was reminded of when Alexis was talking about humor and you were just talking about this is that, I mean, we can find humor in these situations because like we're all in this together and that's sort of uniting in a way. But I mean, the downside of that is yes, we're all in this together, but we're not all in this together in the way that, I mean, we don't all have the same resources. If anything, it's been more isolating different groups of people and different classes. And, but yeah, just in the way that Alexis was saying, I think because it's a common shared experience, something that was pushed on to us, we didn't choose it. That's sort of uniting and I mean, we're being forced to see the good and bad. Alexis? Um, well, so I'm saying that I like, I hope people find humor as a very cynical person. I think my mom and I have had questions, like conversations and I'll be saying, you know, the worst case scenario. And then I'll turn around five minutes later and say a joke about it. Because I, I think at some point I did have that realization that like, if I can't laugh about it, I'm going to like, I'm going to go crazy. And I also think humor also helps people realize, at least it's helped me realize that, oh, this might be funny to laugh at because it's so ridiculous, but also what can I do (laughs) and what can other people do? And, you know, there's something so screwed up about this that something needs to be done. What can I do? Because I think if you get to the point where you're laughing about it so hard, in a funny situation that's not like funny at all, not even remotely, you start to realize that maybe you should be doing something on top of just laughing about it. Right. Laughing gets you through it and then you have to do something. Yeah. Yeah. I hear you. Bernie, any thoughts? Yeah. I don't know if I have anything to add here specifically. <laughs> you guys what are about- saying this really well. For you, writing was writing music helpful to get through this? Yeah, I mean, I don't do a ton of writing music. Actually, I did write a song over the past year, which is kind of the first like main song I've fully written and produced and, and recorded and everything. But besides that, music for sure, when I get stressed or whatever, just sitting down at the piano or you know, picking up the trumpet, whatever, it's definitely an escape. And I guess you could, yeah, you could say it's kind of like what you guys are talking about, humor, like an escape for a little bit and then, you know, kind of refocusing and what do I need to do? Like maybe this is a less like important example, but when I realize I have too much homework to be able to finish in one night, you know, I'll, you know, take a break and play some music and then, you know, refocus. What do I actually have to do? So I guess, you know, that applies to other work besides just schoolwork as well. Something else that, that Helena said about realizing the need in the world and uh, somebody I know is really thinking a lot about the healthcare system and what can we do and how do we collaborate to improve that which has been revealed to be broken during all of this. So that's, that's one of, my, I guess my underlying question is, now that we see 
do we walk, keep walking or do we or do we keep our gaze there and then do something about it? I'm not. And obviously, I don't think that the four of you are in positions of power where you can do radical change. However, your voices matter. However, your ideas matter. However, I see people listening to people of all ages at this moment. This is a moment where I think age is sort of really unimportant because you bring your point of view and your own set of experiences and your own vision and your own understanding. And if you have an idea, bring it on, bring it on. Let's go for it. Let's do it. Let's figure out a way forward. You know? Yeah. Helena. Yeah. But at the same time, I think many of us in this call right now are at critical points in our life where we're about to choose our, our life path or our starting life path. And I think for many of us, it will be affected by the past year, whether we found a passion for music or a passion or, or just the science and have gone into science because of this. And, and so I think this is just a critical point of looking at all the problems we see around us and just dedicating ourselves to one that speaks to us and one that we think we could make a difference. But. So Natasha going off to do science. <laughs> And making a difference in the world through what you do. I mean, that's what you want to do, right? Yeah. Yes, you, Natasha. <laughs> You're going off to be a scientist. So, and that's hard work. Not the way I do it. No? I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, it's, I think of science as, as demanding a great deal of patience. Yeah. Yes. I would agree. You would agree. Too bad I, I don't have any. <laughs> you have more than you realize because otherwise you wouldn't be going into it, you know? And if you don't have it now, you'll develop it. Helena, do you know what you're going to be studying as you go to the next step? I have many ideas of what I want to study. I am definitely interested in science, neuroscience, or potentially biomedical engineering. And, and then also the classical studies, Latin and ancient Greek that grounded my education. But also, I am right now interested in medicine and pre-med, so sort of as a result. So, which is great, because there's a the point in your life where it needs to be a cornucopia of possibilities, you know, many options, because you never know. Who would have thunk I'd end up as a rabbi? Not so clear. Anyone else? So what I'm hearing today is, I just want to sort of bring this together. What I heard today from you all was much more personal than previous conversations, much more looking for solid ground. And I think my, my original image about this coming out of the cocoon is probably right. We want to feel more solid. We want to feel, we want to find the things that are going to sustain us through this next bit. And we don't know exactly what that's going to look like. All past assumptions, they may be right, but They may not be. So we have to reinvent and rethink and reconfigure and think it again and again and again and again. And that's not a bad thing because I would say that for all of you, none of you are on automatic pilot, right? I mean, in the past, you know, you you graduate from high school, you graduate from college. Well, you know, and this is my, I'm on my path and this is what I'm going to do. And we're going to do the next thing, but that's not the case. And, and for those of you who are in high school, it's a whole other ball game of, yeah, 
how is it going to be different now after this year? You know, how is my education going to be structured different? How am I we're going to ask different kinds of questions? Am I going to be more, more concerned about what people say to me and say, wait a second, I'm going to argue with you. You may not be right. I'm going I mean, to challenge I have no clue. That. I have no clue how to do high school just at all. Um, I had a conversation with a friend about our language class next year. We're both in French and we both did well this year, much to our both of our confusion. And uh, we had this conversation of what we're going to do next year because neither of us have like any clue how to sit in a classroom, like in an actual classroom you know, with the, the teacher not trying to divide their attention between the computer and the actual, you know, class there. And we don't particularly know, we don't particularly remember how to study. And, you know, it's kind of like, is it a good thing that we have to kind of relearn how to study? Because, you know, you develop better habits, you develop new habits. And yeah, bringing it back to what we were talking about at the beginning. So the old habits have been smashed. To smithereens in a way. Oh, they've definitely been smashed and new worse habits have definitely been developed. But <laughs> hopefully those will get smashed to smithereens as well. So um, any closing thoughts as, as you all go forward, as we, we all enter this brave new world together. And I will share with you that, um, you know, I'm going to be doing hybrid services, which I've never done before. And um, I don't know how good or bad I'm going to be at that. It's like going to be learning a whole new skill set. Some people are good at it, some are not. And hopefully I'll develop some skills. So for me, it's also smashing, (laughs) smashing learned behaviors against the wall and starting all over again, which is never actually a bad thing. I think starting all over again is uh, pretty exciting as much as, as it is scary. But as you go forward, a final thought. Natasha, since you've been doing this the longest, uh, being on the podcast. So as you move, move across the country, what you want, you want me to have a final thought? I do. I want you to have a final thought. No, (laughs) I got something. (laughs) Um, does any kind of final thought, any kind of final thought is, as you know, we're, we're in this new coming into this new phase. Any thought? graduation starting fresh who's your graduation i agree agree with elena it's impossible to find a good graduation dress (laughs) i think that's 100 percent true i've never found a graduation dress i've been happy with graduated multiple times still not there yet i'll let you guys know in five years if i find a good graduation dress fingers crossed (laughs) that i make it that's my final thought (laughs) finding a good dress yeah, it's really hard to find a good graduation dress. Happy graduation, everyone out there who's listening, who's graduating, especially Helena, who's going to look great in her second choice dress. I'm excited. <laughs> Final thoughts as we go as we go off into the into the future, Helena. I think it's interesting and necessary to have these conversations because, like the one we're having right now, because I think that I tend to be a more optimistic person, I think. And I think seeing the other side of the spectrum, not necessarily pessimistic, but 
and having more fears and more worries than I do. And because I'm maybe over- overlooking some, I think has just been, I mean, it's insightful always to hear everyone's perspectives. And I mean, in the past few weeks, hearing the perspectives of the young students in elementary school and how, I mean, it's, it's just a completely different experience for everyone. And, and we're not even, we're not even that far apart in our ages. And, and it's been a completely different experience. And so I think having these conversations are necessary, definitely. And reflecting on the past year, because that's what's going to get us out of this. Ignoring it won't get us out of it. Bernie. I don't know. I've been, I've been thinking a lot about the the metaphor that we started with the the moth of the butterfly coming out of the cocoon and i think i don't know i feel like that's actually a pretty good metaphor like where we're at like you know the the cocoon has started to split open and we can definitely see the sunlight outside but it's like pretty bright you know we've been inside for a while maybe it's kind of uncomfortable there's definitely a lot to adjust to but there's also a sense of like that is the next step and that's what we're doing and that's what we have to do you know that's just the next part of life. So we're just, you know, keep moving forward. So yeah, I don't know that that metaphor is a good one. Thank you for, uh, for introducing it. <laughs> I think that Tasha's look for, uh, search for the, the dress searches that have been referred to are part of that too. Cause, uh, looking for the right article of clothing is, um, no, it's looking for the light. Actually, the right article of clothing can make you feel better mm-hmm. for those of you. Well, I don't think any of you heard, uh, Simon's bar mitzvah speech, but he talked about the importance of material thing. Oh yeah, Natasha. Yeah, did. Yeah, 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 yeah. So yeah, the importance of material things as as described, as grounding us. Yeah, definitely. Alexis, bring us home. So again, with the seeing the light, so I play piano and throughout the past year or so, I was playing these really big, these really stormy pieces that were like dark and broody and everything and to the point that I got a softer piece that was more lyrical and I just I could not get myself to play it and then my piano teacher kind of she told me you know she asked me if I wanted a new piece and I kind of told her yes and she asked me if I wanted another one of the big dark pieces and I kind of told I told her no I didn't want one I think because now I'm starting to see the light at the end of the tunnel I'm starting to see that you know it's not horrible and that there's still a lot that needs to be worked out, but things are just getting a little bit better. And right now a little bit is okay. And yeah. So the other piece I've heard from all of you is this um, understanding, which is really unusual for people in your age cohort, as wide as this age cohort is, of thinking of things in incremental doses. Because usually you're in a place where it's, it's big, it's big jumps, it's big leaps. And here we've been all, all of us, everybody across all age groups, we've all been forced to think incrementally. So I I think that's actually a very helpful piece, Alexis. And I want to just thank all of you so much for being part of this conversation. And I wish you uh, light in the coming year and, and strength and a sense of, of, of purpose and hope and a, a dollop of fear isn't bad because it gets you moving. Too much fear freezes you. So just a dollop of fear is okay. And then, you know, the rest, get rid of it. And as that rabbi told me all those years ago, find the humor in this situation. 
It, it does always help. Thank you all so much for joining me today. And uh, thank you all for listening. Thank you. Thank you for taking the time to listen to Tehillah Talks. For more information about Tehillah, go to congregationtehillah.org. Tune in next time when our teens continue to reflect on issues of the day through a Jewish lens.